Random Inks Productions presents the Marvel Cinematic Universe's Avengers Rewatch with your hosts, Justin and Mark. Join us as we watch Earth's mightiest heroes, the Avengers, fight to save mankind in preparation for the galaxy's biggest threat, Thanos. Welcome, everyone, to the Marvel Avengers Rewatch series with the Credulous Nerds. Today we'll be talking about Ant-Man, which is number 13 in our movie Rewatch series. And as always, my name is Justin, and I have my co-host with me, Mark. Hey, guys. How's it going? And so today we'll be talking about Ant-Man and... I remember when this was announced and we started seeing previews and, you know, trailers for it and, you know, the ad campaign was ramping up. I was, wasn't was too hot on this one. I was like, Ant-Man, huh? A whole origin story about Ant-Man. How's that going to work? And I didn't know much about the character. I think that was part of it. Uh, I, I do know he was a founding member, member of the Avengers, in the comics at least. And the cinematic universe decided not to do that with him. That he's basically one of the the last Avengers to show up on the scene in the in the movies. But I wasn't too hot on it. And the, the actor that's that's playing him, you know, he's he's more of a comedian, comedic type actor. And so I wasn't too sure about how that was going to play out uh, with you know Paul Rudd playing Scott L- Scott Lang. Uh, so there's just a lot of questions I had. So, uh, I don't know, what were your thoughts about Ant-Man when it was first being announced and promoted, Mark? Uh, you know, I think I was kind of the same with you. Uh, I, I didn't really know a lot about Ant-Man. I, I've said this time and again, Marvel's has never really been my cornerstone. Um, you know, I, I knew a lot of basics and things like that, but I, I didn't really know Ant-Man and, and how they would do it. And I was just like, oh, this could be a, this could be a bomb. Yeah. You know, if they did this wrong, I, I was really worried for it, and I was kind of an, almost annoyed. I'm like, why are they introducing this like character that hardly anyone knows? Um, and you know what? What's the angle? Yeah. You know, you know what's the connection besides just having another superhero? So, um, just kind of a. Uh, pretty pretty standoffish you know and and i watched some of the some of the promotionals but i just remember not really getting into it and then i think we went to a movie if i remember right we went to i don't know a movie for something and they had like the latest um ant-man uh trailer on and i remember watching i was like oh that actually looks kind of cool maybe we should go see it and i remember i was kind of talking about it and decided yeah let's go see it We'll, we'll just find out what it's about yeah yeah, that's kind of my re- recollection as well. Is that we saw that in the that trailer in the theater, and we're like, huh, maybe this is going to be good. And so, at that point, I started to get a little more excited about it and, and interested. So, and for me, I it ended up being one of my more favorite films in the franchise, just because it's so different. You know, it is an origin story. Uh, we were introduced to a new character, a new superhero, new technology, all of that stuff. And so there are some, you know, usual tropes that you get with origin stories with, you know, the, the reluctant hero and he gets his, his superpower or in this case he gets his suit 
He has to learn how to use it, and he goes through the training process and all that stuff. So, you know, there's some usual things that we see in these Origins-type shows, but I thought it's even then it still had a different angle. So I was mm-hmm. pleasantly surprised. Well, and too, like, I mean, it was – you really had to have the perfect perfect character to play Ant-Man too, yeah. right? I mean, they, they you pick the wrong actor – and it tanks. It doesn't matter how good the writing is. And I think Paul Rudd, it did amazing. I I mean, just the way he talked and his humor and, and the way he just interacts, it's just so so well done. And and I was a little worried, right? Uh, Peyton Reed directed this, and he hadn't really done anything like yeah. this. I mean, he had done, what, Bring It On yeah. way back in the day. <laughs> yeah. that, that, that was a... You know, Grammy, Oscar worthy type thing. He did Yes Man. Yes Man wasn't horrible, but yeah. definitely not great. Yeah, I didn't didn't open. You know, I wasn't rushing to see that one a second time. Right. And uh, you know, I think he did one or two others in between there, but those are probably some of his biggest ones. And and so, you know, you get kind of worried when they bring in these new directors. But I mean, he he hit a home run on this. Picked the perfect. You know, perfect character to play Ant-Man with Paul Rudd, perfect actor, uh, had some great writing, some really intelligent writing with the jokes and with the flow of the show and, you know, kind of how he links up with, you know, brings him into the Marvel universe and, um, you know, his jail, you know, his home dynamic and trying to juggle that and uh, with Hank Pym. And his connection with Marvel and and all that, I think that was just really well done. And uh, you know, you can't say anything more about about the actor and actress choices. It was just a spot on from top to bottom. There's not a not a single soul that played that that I thought was wrong for the part. Yeah, uh, I thought everything was right on, and I think that that just goes to a credit about the genius of Peyton Reed. Yeah, and who knew, right? Yeah. So, yeah. No. Uh, yeah. Like you said, the, the casting, a strong cast, even down to the little girl who plays uh, Scott Lang's daughter. Uh, her name's Abby Ryder Forston. I mean, you, with child actors, you never know, right? It could be good. It could be mediocre. And she she was strong for her role that she had. So, you know, shout out to her. Uh, but we had Paul Rudd as Scott Lang, Michael Douglas as Doctor Hank Pym. Evangeline Lilly as Hope Van Dyne. Corey Stoll was Darren Cross, a.k.a. Yellow Jacket. Bobby Cannavale was Paxton, who was um, the fiancé of Scott Lang's ex-wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anthony Mackie reprised his role as Sam Wilson or the Falcon. Uh, Judy Greer was Maggie Lang as Scott Lang's ex-wife. Then uh, one of the most... Enigmatic or most interesting characters, background character was Michael Pena as Louis. Luis. Luis, right? Yeah, he yeah. was great. I thought he was <laughs> just this great addition to this, this weird character. I, I thought it was, I, I enjoyed his sequences. Yeah. In the show. yeah, definitely. And then we even got T.I., the rapper, as Dave, one of uh, Scott Lang's fellow con men. And David Dasmalchian is Kurt. I I never knew this guy by name, but you've seen him around in various movies here and there. So he always plays like an odd character. So he did, <laughs> he did good with that. 
Yeah, he's this, these weird side characters. Every, every everything, right? He's in the Dark Knight. He's in Prisoners. Yeah. Um, older shows besides, he's in quite a few shows. Just these weird side characters. It's amazing. Yeah. And I think one of the most interesting parts of this film was the opening, where we got uh, Haley Atwell back as Peggy Carter, John Slattery's back as Howard Stark, and I believe it's a new guy, Martin Donovan as Mitchell Carson. I don't remember seeing him in shield previously but he was portrayed as i think it was the defense director of shield or something like that one of the big wigs Mm -hmm. this is the first time we actually see him but yeah that opening sequence um we got hank pym showing up to the triskillian i believe it's uh what's the year on that is it 1989 88 i can't remember something like that 89 so late late 80s they're to Skillion, where the Shield headquarters is being built. They have they do an exterior shot, and it's you know in the midst of being built. And we see he walks in. Hank Pym walks in, and there's uh, Peggy Carter, Howard Stark, and this new guy Mitchell Carson. And Hank Pym's mad. He's mad because they're trying to steal his Pym particle, or they have stolen it or something. So they argue, and Pym punches Carson in the face. He's so mad. And then he resigns and he walks out, and that's the last of Hank Pym with Shield. Mm-hmm. What? Why do you think? So I've wondered about this. You know, why do you think that he was so against showing Shield? Do Do you think he was against it because his wife had died, right? The way she died, or do you think even if his wife was alive, he never would have shared it? Yeah, uh, I think his wife's death. Death definitely played into it, and I, th- what I got out of it was later on you kind of see some footage of the Ant Man fighting for Shield against, you know, Hydra and you know the bad guys basically, and so you know that he worked and spent some time, a lot of time with Shield. So, but I think the reason was that kind of ended up playing out in this film as well is that S.H.I.E.L.D. wanted to weaponize it. You know, up to this point, it was just Hank Pym and perhaps his wife uh, as the Ant-Man and the Wasp. And I think S.H.I.E.L.D. wanted to produce it more than just the one guy and create an army, you know, another super soldier thing, right? Mm-hmm. S.H.I.E.L.D. likes to do. <laughs> so th- they were wanting to do that, and Hank Pym didn't feel like it was a good idea. So... I think that's why they argued over that. Well, and then it was kind of crazy to, to think, too, that it, how compart, compartmentalized – is that the right word? Carpet, carpet. Compartmentalized. <laughs> yeah, that that decision was because Haley Atwell's character she, – she had no idea. Yeah. She's like, wait, what? You guys did what? And only Stark and the other guy knew. And – so it makes you wonder too if the other guy had a lot to do with that decision because he's ultimately with with Hydra in the end. Yeah. So, um, you know, that could have been him pushing for it the whole time, and maybe Hank Pym knew something about that that we don't know. I I don't know why either. It's kind of always been a question, you know, and even later you kind of hear the animosity that Hank Pym has towards Stark the Starks. Yeah. Right. Uh, he you know he's like no you know I'm. I'm not like the Starks. I don't just make these super suits or blah, 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 whatever he says. But you can tell that there's some resentment there between 
between them, and, and I kind of wished that there was a little bit more context there. Yeah. Uh, in the story writing, maybe it'll come up later, but maybe it just doesn't matter. But for me, I love context, so that's important to me. So I kind of was bummed that I didn't didn't get the whole story there. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping we do. Uh, Ant Man and the Wasp, which is Ant Man Part Two, comes out after the Avengers: Infinity War, so it's a continuation after that story. So I think, uh, you know, the, the effects of Infinity War will carry over into Ant-Man 2. And you know, Hank Pym will be in that uh, movie as well. So maybe we'll see some more explanation of, you know, the reasoning behind that. So, we'll so is Ant-Man in Infinity War? That's a good question. Um, and if he's not, why not? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't recall him specifically in the promotional material for Infinity War, but there's like, you know, 20 Avengers, so maybe I'm just not remembering him. So I don't yeah, because I'm looking here through the cast, Infinity War cast, and Paul Rudd is not on it. Huh. That's interesting. Yeah, so it makes you wonder what's going on. And I know that uh, the storyline kind of maybe will support that because, um, you you know, they've been arrested. We see in in the Civil War, which we haven't got to yet, (laughs) that they get arrested, right? And uh, they they get freed. So you have to assume that Ant-Man's on the run during this. But but it just always blows my mind, like, guys, let's run. But the world's getting destroyed. It's cool. Let's run. (laughs) Yeah. Let's get out of here. I don't know. That's just... Silly, well, it but, could have been okay, just a matter of could have just been a matter of you know there's already I think 18 Avengers how are we going to fit in Ant-Man so he's he has a decent storyline right so, Well according to the promotional material it's the C team <laughs> the C team Yeah isn't that what he says is it or uh yeah I think that's what uh was it says did you see the new stuff promotional material For and that uh, shows him like no, for uh, Infinity War. Oh, no, I haven't. Oh, it's so funny because it shows Chris Hemsworth uh, with um, – who is it? Uh, guy that plays Star-Lord. I can't think um, of his name. Chris Pratt. Yeah, shows him in the back with Chris Pratt and he's like – he's like, so am I Avenger now? And he's like, yeah, you're an Avenger. As a founding member, you're an Avenger. He's like, oh, I'm on the C-team or something like that. So <laughs> that's why I said that. You have to watch the promotional material to enjoy my jokes. Otherwise, they're wasted. They're just wasted. Yeah, so go watch the latest trailer or TV spot. So, yeah, that's interesting. We'll have to see maybe they're being saved. Ant-Man and the Wasp are being saved for the next Avengers. Or just not at all. So we'll see. Yeah. So Scott Lang is probably one of the most interesting characters out of all of them. He's, uh, for me anyway, uh, he's not your typical superhero. He starts out in jail. That's where we meet him. He's in jail. He's fighting one of his fellow prisoners, and you think it's serious, but then it's his last few minutes there, and one of the rituals is to fight each other and try to hit this, try to get a good hit on this one guy. So. It starts out serious, and then it's humorous, and then he walks out of jail. And you're like, oh, okay. And then from there, he goes to Baskin. He 
or actually he meets up with his friend Luis and there's a funny exchange there. They catch up, you know, and <laughs> Yeah, my mom my mom died. And yeah. my my dad got deported. But I got the van. Yeah. Right, that's where it's just like <laughs> Paul Rudd's just like, oh, that's horrible. But he's like all happy. I thought that part was hilarious. I, yeah. this this whole movie just had some refreshing jokes. Yeah, refreshing is the key word. Because they weren't the same. They were new and better, and yada yada. It was just just good stuff. Yeah, pretty much every time Luis is in the scene, it was good. Right, he was engaging you wanted to see what he had to say what was going to happen next with him and he's just a great supporting cast member supporting character so um so he, scott hooks up with him and his buddies they stay in an apartment he gets a job at baskin robbins and he's there for a couple of weeks couple of days and then he gets fired <laughs> that was that was another funny part he goes to meet his boss and he's like ah you're in jail huh pretty sweet and he's kind of talking him up and you know he's like oh yeah but i gotta fire you so it's like oh you found out yep baskin robbins always finds out they always find it it's like what the heck baskin robbins but yeah the manager's hilarious he's like total respect man total respect he's like ball runs like oh i'm not getting fired he's like oh no you're 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 fired yeah (laughs) and if you know if you want to take one of those whatever's i'll totally look the other way yeah, I'll I got one of the smoothies on the way out. I'll look yeah, like way. He, he's like doing him a favor. Yeah. And then the best part is when he gets home, he has one of those smoothies. <laughs> yeah, that's the best part. The I'm like, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of great moments like that throughout the film. Um, so first he doesn't want to go back to crime. He wants to get a real job, but he can't support himself or you know pay child support to be able to see his daughter. So he has to get back get back in the game with his buddies, and so they get a job and or this you know job to, to steal something a heist, and it ends up being Hank Pym's house that he kind of planted the seeds of uh, information that there's a big score at his house in the safe. So it ends up being Scott Lang. He goes to the the safe, breaks open the safe, does all these cool stuff. And then it's the Ant-Man suit in there. He's like, what? It's a motorcycle suit. What is this? So he ends up taking it anyway, goes back and tries it on for the first time, starts pushing the buttons and it shrinks him. So this is when we get to see him using the suit, kind of figuring out the powers. Hank Pym is talking in his ear with, you know, through the, the helmet there via microphone. So he's, uh, teaching him how to use it and and all that but he gets he freaks out and ends up taking the suit back but then he gets arrested so then he's forced to take the suit either he has to stay in jail or use the suit to escape and so then he he's all in at that point he meets up with hank pym and his daughter hope hope van dyne and that's when he starts to learn you know how the how the suit works the technology of the suit um, just all that stuff. Working with ants, I actually thought that was pretty, pretty cool how they, you know, worked with the ants and stuff. Because I always thought that's kind of lame, you know. I mean, like, <laughs> oh no, little ants. Let me just uh, step down on those babies and then that that right there. But it was actually pretty cool. Like, 
how he did it, different ants for different things. Uh, you, have, you have the flying ants, you have the big crazy ants that just <laughs> bite and kill, and then you have the, you know, ants, the fire ants that will make the bridges in the water. And so, I mean, that was just really neat how they did that. But, you know, one thing I've wondered, you know, I have the, all these weird questions. I know, I'm sorry. But um, one thing I've wondered is what was the test about? You know, like Hank Pym's like, oh, it was a test. But what was the test just to see if he could break in? I mean, wouldn't that be kind of, I don't know, counterproductive to what he was looking for? Because what he saw in him originally was he broke in, that he did something illegal because these people were ripping, you know, the common people off for profit. And you can kind of tell that Hank Pym's against that. You know, he's not for uh, for that kind of attitude you know as far as technology goes you get the idea about but um you know what was the test i I don't understand what he was looking for or what why he did it yeah i think he wanted so the the ultimate mission was they needed to uh steal the the yellow jacket suit so what's his name the oh he just wanted to see if he even had ingenuity or something to do it yeah so Darren Cross was working to figure out how to develop a new soldier type of Ant-Man, right? The Yellow Jacket. Mm-hmm. And Hope Van Dyne was, he, she was working with him, but he got to the, Darren got to the point where he was being a little too obsessive and he wanted to use the, the technology for evil. And so she went to her dad and said, hey, we got to stop him. He's not there yet, but once he does, we're going to have to stop him. And so then, and they couldn't be either of them because Darren Cross knew them and would, would figure it out, what he ended up figuring out anyway. But um, So they recruited Scott to be able to break into the facility, erase all the data, which he did with the, the job that got him in jail, right, with um, that one company. So It was Vista, right? Yeah. Wasn't it Vista? Yeah. So he... He could do that, but he could also break into Hank Pym's safe, so he could also break into, you know, locked doors and all that stuff. So that was the test. But they didn't want some criminal who was going to screw him over or flip sides when he got paid more money or something. You know, they wanted a criminal with morals, I guess you could say. Hmm. So that's okay. that was the test in my in my book. Okay. I guess, yeah, that makes sense. I just always was weirded out. I was like, well, why didn't he just approach him when he got out of jail? Yeah, I thought that too. I was like, well, that's a lot of hoops to jump through just to ask him, and he might even turn it down. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's easier to just say, hey, I'll give you a million dollars if you can break into the safe here. Yeah. Okay, great, you did it. Now let me tell you, you know what I mean, or whatever it is. But, uh, all right. Whatever. I mean, (laughs) I guess it's uh, it's off of the storyline. Yeah. A little more entertaining this way, I guess. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. So he does the training. We get the training montage. Like you said, he trains with the ants and he trains how to fight with, you know, Hope Van Dyne. I guess she's a black belt in karate or something. <laughs> well, the punch was the best, right? Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, that's not about boom, just punches him right in the face. Doesn't yeah. even hold back. He's like, were you aiming for my face? <laughs> So yeah, she yeah. doesn't. She doesn't like him at all. Um, no, she, no, she wants to be the one to wear the suit and break in, but her dad's protective of her. So there's a, a competitive edge there with them. 
which kind of works out in the end. I mean, they pushed each other, and because of that, they kind of learned how to trust each other as well. And yeah, they were smooching. Yeah, at the end, it worked out great for both of them. Mm-hmm. It was all hope, too. Yeah. I, I believe Scott. I believe Scott. <laughs> yep. Uh, and he knew it was going to happen. There was another trope that they played on, but you, you kind of wanted to see it happen, right? So it wasn't like it was a bad thing, so... Mm-hmm. them getting together and but they also introduced in the training montage these di- little discs the shrink discs and the grow discs i think one was red one was blue i believe and mm-hmm. you throw one uh, the shrink disc and it attaches to something and it'll shrink it to ant, ant size if you throw the grow disc on it it blows up into a huge size so that comes into play later uh, and then during this mon- montage, there's a, a conversation that I think is pretty important that not only plays into um, this film, but I think it'll play into uh, the Avengers films in the one of the Infinity Stones. And that is uh, Hank Pym relays the story of how his wife, I think it's Janet Van Dyne, uh, how she passed, how she died. Hank never told Hope because she, he didn't want her to get any crazy ideas. But they were on a mission together. He was the Ant-Man, she was the Wasp. And they were trying to top, stop this missile that was headed toward the United States from Russia. So they were called in, and they, but they couldn't break through the, the outer plating because so, everything was so tight. So they had to um, mess with their regulator so they would shrink and go be, in between the atoms of the the shield plating on the missile. And so in order to do that, once you do it, you can't stop. You like you can't uh reverse the the shrinkage. So it keeps getting you keep getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And he called that the quantum realm. And you enter a reality where all concepts of time and space become irrelevant for all eternity. So Janet went in there, she stopped the missile, but then she kept shrinking and just disappeared and they haven't seen her since. So my theory on this is the key word being the reality where all concepts of time and space become irrelevant for all eternity. So I think that with the Ant-Man, so we see later on in the in the film where Ant-Man has to do the same thing to stop uh, Darren Cross and the Yellow Jacket. So he, he messes with his regulator and shrinks down to the size that he can get in there and cause havoc and ruin the suit and Darren Cross shrinks in on himself and implodes and disappears. And then Scott Lane keeps shrinking and shrinking and we see this thing where he's just keep getting smaller and smaller and smaller and he figures out that he can put one of the grow discs into his regulator and it reverses the effect and he grows back to normal size. But I think this concept of entering a new reality can play into the reality stone, which is the ether. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know how, but I, that's the impression. I, why else would they show this? And I think it was one of the key parts of the film that it's got to come into play later at some point. Well, so <clears throat> when, you, when you asked this, I kind of had looked into it. So the quantum realm has actually been mentioned before. Okay. And we've actually seen it. So did did you watch um, 
Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. through when Gemma got sent to that other world for a while. Yeah, when she goes to through the monolith or something. Yeah, right, and they have to try to save her. Okay. So um, apparently why she was there, uh, Fitz uh, does a lot of research into the quantum realm to see if – because he thought that she was there. Okay. And ultimately they found out that she wasn't. Uh, so it's a realm that that – we're aware of, right? That, that more people are aware of. It's not like she just got lost and he happened to call it the quantum realm. But also, uh, when the ancient one was, remember when Stephen Strange first sh- uh, showed up and uh, she kind of sent him on that journey for a little bit through space and time and everything else like that? Yeah. During one of those sequences, he actually went through the quantum realm. Okay. So I wonder too if. You know, like I, I, I have no idea, right? So, um, the the reality realm, could, reality gem, could more, you know, could be the answer. But the answer could also be, I think, Stephen Strange. Yeah, the time stone. Yeah, the time stone. But I don't even necessarily think he needs the time stone to access it because the ancient one didn't. Yeah, that's a good point. So, I just think it. It has to do with, you know, those forbidden books that they, they, you know, the ancient run can read through and uh, that maybe that could be a way to do it because obviously he has a way to, to find people. And we see that in um, in the new Thor, right, when he finds – he knows right where Odin is. Yeah, yeah. So that's a, that's a good point. I think maybe it isn't just necessarily Infinity Stone but – I think it'll come into play at some point in the future movies. And I think Janet Van Dyne, I mean, she's in the next Ant-Man movie. It comes out in July. So she comes back from the quantum realm. Yeah. I mean, it definitely could be. I, it, it's hard to say because we just don't know quite when that Ant-Man takes place. Because some of the trailers make it look like it takes place right when he gets out of jail. As opposed to right after the Infinity War started. Oh. Right? Because, I mean, if you've seen some of those trailers, like he's – like um, he, basically they're saying, we've been on the run since you went to war with the other Avengers. And so they make it sound like that that's going on right after they have the Civil War as opposed to right after Infinity War starts. So I wonder what the timeline is on. And if any of you have researched this timeline at all, you know that it's whack. There's just plenty of whack timeline. So – and I don't think there's an answer about where Ant-Man and Wasp comes in at. But I, I'm pretty skeptical whether – that it actually comes in after Infinity Wars, which doesn't make any sense. But there you go. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, we get to see Scott. He ends up, they end up uh, bringing in Luis and Dave and Kurt to help out with this job after they, they plan it. And so they, they go to the facility, Pym Tech. Luis infiltrates as a security guard. Uh, Scott and the ants, they sneak in through the water pipes and in through the bathroom. Hope installs the signal relay in the facility. 
And then Dave is the driver and Kurt is the hacker, the computer hacker. Oh, and then with the signal relay, we didn't mention this, but um, they go on a test mission before this, before they try to infiltrate the PIMTech. And they have to get this signal relay from one of Stark's old storage facilities in upstate New York. So they have these old plans. They're looking at them. Yeah, it's here. So they go there. Uh, Scott Lane goes there with all the ants. And they get there and they find out it's the new Avengers facility that we saw at the end of the Age of Ultron film. And so Scott Lang decides to go anyway. And as he's going down there, he meets up with Falcon, who detects him as an intruder. They kind of wrestle and fight. And Scott's able to still get in the facility, find the signal relay, and escape. And so uh, we get to see Falcon and... Scott introduces himself. He shows up. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm a big fan. My name's Scott Lang. I'm the Ant-Man. Have you heard of me? And <laughs> Falcon's like, what? Who? <laughs> Who are you? Hi. I'm, did he just say, hi, I'm Scott? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, that was interesting part there where it connects with the previous films, and we get to see the new Avengers facility a little bit. So anyway, uh, back to... They're hacking into PimTech, and we got everyone doing their their duty, doing their job that they're assigned to do. And they're able to get in, and they almost steal the Yellow Jacket suit. And the Yellow Jacket suit is pretty cool. I'm surprised they didn't come up with this a lot sooner than than what they did. But it's basically the Ant-Man suit, but it's militarized, and it's got laser beams on it. They're... um, Pretty, it's a pretty aggressive suit. It flies. It um, you can infiltrate small spaces like you can with the Ant Man suit. So it's basically an upgraded version of the Ant Man suit. And so they want to steal that prototype and get it away from uh, Darren Scott. But we find out that Hydra is involved, and they they show up to buy the the suit from and to be able to mass produce it. And we find out that the guy from the beginning of the film, who was the director of defense of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, Mitchell Carson, that he is part of HYDRA, like you mentioned earlier, and he's there to buy it. But the catch is that Darren will have the the particle that allows the suit to work. Is that right? The yellow Yeah. Yellow yeah, the pin particle. <laughs> I, I don't know if he calls it the pin particle. Yeah, I think because pin particles, like yeah, it's kind of like I don't know, violet, like a bright violet or something. Yeah. But um, yeah, this is a different version, but it ultimately does the same exact thing. Yeah. So he'll provide that to be able to ha- so that people can use the suit. It's kind of the gas for the car type thing. And so that's how Darren's going to make his money is, is selling that stuff to Hydra or whoever has the suit. But um, they're able to thwart the big plan that they had prepared for the past 30 minutes in the film. And uh, Scott is discovered, but they're able to also blow up all the, the data, the backup data. So the, the way to create the suit is destroyed, at least the knowledge. There's, as far as we know, there's no backup either. So um, Hank... And Hope are there with Darren and the Hydra agents. 
and they're fighting for this try to you know gain possession of the suit and Hank gets shot and Darren escapes with with uh, the yellow jacket suit and the, the particle he gets into a helicopter Scott chases him and there's from there Darren and, and Scott Lang are, are wrestling and fighting and chasing each other and they end up at uh, uh, this part was kind of strange how they end up at Scott's ex-wife house with the daughter it's like how did <laughs> how did they get there right so Darren's going after what matters most to Scott his daughter and they they go there and they're they're fighting in her room they're going big they're going small in their suits and we get to the one of the funniest parts of the, of the film where they're fighting on the train <laughs> <laughs> They're they're like Thomas Train or something like that, right? (laughs) So they shrink down to normal size, so the or Ant Man size, so the train's like this normal size train, and they're fighting on the top of the train and chasing each other. And Darren gets knocked off onto the track, and I think everyone's seen this part in the in the film or the trailer. But the train's coming. He's like, no, and then (laughs) the the perspective backs off, and we see like the the little train hit something and fall over. It's like, yeah, right? it's, no big deal. it's like, oh, okay. Like I probably didn't even like phase him. <laughs> yeah. So it's pretty funny that part. And then, so they keep fighting and ultimately uh, Scott beats Darren. And like I said earlier, he kind of uh, shrinks. He implodes in on himself. I thought yeah, that was so, strange. Yeah. So in that, that's another question. So did he go to the quantum realm too, or did he literally implode? I think he went in the quantum realm. So, and you know how I've said this before, <laughs> I think each of these superheroes is going to have their anti-superhero there with, with uh, what's his name, to fight against him, right? With Thanos. I, with Thanos. And I'm thinking if, he, if he's just in the quantum realm, we're going to see him again. Yeah, I, I wouldn't count that out at all. I think I think that's a great idea. So. Mm-hmm. Because how sweet would that be? Just this big melee, melee with melee with all these superheroes and their anti-hero. Yeah, I just think that'd be cool. And then you got Thanos leading them. You know who's mm-hmm. gonna who's gonna lead the Avengers, right? If you, if you have to fight a god, who's who's the Avengers god? It's got to be Thor, right? Or even maybe, um, maybe Hulk. Pound yeah, for pound, yeah. could stay with Thanos. Yeah, that's a fight I want to see, is Hulk mm-hmm. and Thanos, right? Right, because you see Thanos in the trailer just punch Iron Man, yeah. like, and just put him down. It's like, oh, well, that's the end of his hour, you know? Yeah. We'll see you later, buddy, you know? And it's like, well, I I think that Hulk could do that just as easy. Yeah. And he and did so, in the last Avengers movie. Yeah, I mean, he did it. He did it with the the, the big suit. Right. Yeah. <laughs> With the ultra suit. So, you know, maybe, maybe that's what, it, you know, that's what's to counter Thanos. But the problem is, is that we have abomination for Hulk, mm-hmm. but we don't really have the anti for, well, I guess Loki, but yeah. I don't. Loki's I don't, not really the same powers as Thor. Yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe we'll see something crazy out of um, Nick Fury that we've never seen before. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, Darren's defeated and the suit's destroyed. Uh, but we did see 
the, the Hydra people, uh, Mitchell Carson and Hydra, they took the the particle, Darren Cross's particle. So who knows? They might clone it or figure out the tech, and you know we might see something later from them. I, I didn't they, but he got stopped, right? Did he? Yeah, he didn't get out with it. If I remember right, um, you keep talking like I didn't say anything, and I'll look <laughs> this up. <laughs> yeah. So they, while the, all this is going on with Darren and and Scott. Hope and Hank, they're able to escape using this tank. We we see it throughout the film that Hank has this keychain, this tank on it, like a toy tank. And in, in this part, we find out that it's actually something that has been shrunk down, and they they blow it up to normal size, and they're able to escape out of Pimtech before Pimtech implodes in on, on itself, too. So, that's curious. Does Pimtech go to the quantum realm? <laughs> you know what happened to that? <laughs> the building, right? And everything inside the building. Yeah, P- Pimtech is in the quantum realm as it's only a building. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, that's where they will all hang well, it's out. It's just interesting that everything's imploding instead of exploding, right? That's a noticeable difference. And I think that's more than just a, a creative decision. I think there's a reasoning behind it, but we don't know what that is yet. Uh,. So, they're able to escape, and we don't really see much of them. Uh, Hank is is okay. He gets treated for his gunshot wound. And so, after all this, uh, Scott's a hero for his, his ex-wife and his daughter, and his, the fiancé. So, they invite him back to dinner, and they're talking about how the police have forgiven him for his crimes of escaping jail and the charges were dropped so he's he's back on the on the good side the off the police's radar so he's eating dinner with his ex-wife and and kid and everything's great and then we go back to <clears throat> to the pim household and they're talking about things and at the end, we see that Scott and Hope are hooking up and they're making out in the hallway and their Hope's dad catches them. So another funny moment there. Uh, oh, so, sorry. So, yeah, he did get away. He he did get away with the... Uh, um, particle. Whatever. Yeah, the particle. The PIM. They, they still call it the PIM particle when I'm looking at, but okay. it's da- Darren's version, Darren Cross's version. Yeah. So I wonder if that's what if that comes into play in the next film, Ant Man and the Wasp. Oh yeah, that's a, that's but we a didn't good see any movie. any Ant Man in that film, so I don't know in the at least in yeah. the previews. Well, and, and I don't know if you said this, but this is the last time we see Shield in any movie since we we haven't seen Shield at all, or not Shield. I'm I'm ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> um, Hydra. This is the last time Hydra's really mentioned uh-huh. as as a standing organization, and uh-huh. so you, you haven't seen him for quite some time because in Infinity Wars is years later after Civil War, and Civil War kind of comes near the end of this. So you know, a couple years goes by and they're MIA. Yeah. Well, they're kind of. 
Uh, they're going by the wayside. I mean, what power do they really have? I mean, I think their big moment was Red Skull. And, you know, when they first started back in World War II, that was kind of their, their heyday. So I think unless you got another guy to, to lead them like the Red Skull, they're just going to be, you know, a side story. The Avengers can easily handle Hydra. They have in the past. Yeah. So. Hmm. But I would like to see them rise again with a new leader. I think that'd be pretty cool. Named Thanos. <laughs> <laughs> so at the end there, we get uh, Scott meets up with Luis again, and he's telling him a story about how Falcon's looking for Ant-Man. And this ties into the after credit scene, as well as Captain America's Civil War. Uh, for the Stanley moment, uh, in this last story of, of Luis that he tells, uh, Stanley's a bartender in a club. And basically, one of the guys is on this date with this, this really good-looking girl. And he goes up to Stan Lee, and he's like, yeah, she's crazy, stupid, fine. And you see Stanley <laughs> mouthing that phrase. So it's kind of funny. Yeah, it's pretty funny. He's just like, he's all talking his way and everybody's talking. It's just yeah. hilarious how they did it. It was a great scene again. Yeah. So, uh, and then there's an after credit scene, or mid credit scene, sorry, where Hank Pym shows his daughter Hope an advanced prototype suit that's, uh, that he and his wife... Hope's mother were working on and they were actually working on it for her to wear and join them in their fight against evil. So Hope's all excited when she see that, sees that. She says, about time. So uh, then at the after credit scenes, we see Falcon and Captain America. They have Bucky in a vice grip with his, his middle arm in the vice grip. <clears throat> and I kind of got the sense that they were trying to get it off him <clears throat> and or some something like that but Falcon says he knows a guy that can help and the impression I got was he Ant-Man would go in the arm and fix it or whatever the case may be so that's why Falcon's looking for him in, at the end of the movie but we know that eventually they use him in Civil War to fight on their side. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so that's Ant-Man. Uh, one of my more favorite films, just because it's different. Uh, a lot of funny storylines, uh, good character development, strong cast, like we mentioned before. Um, yeah, just one of my more, I would say top five. I Initially, when we first started this, Avengers rewatch series. It was number two on my list right after winter soldier. And I don't believe it's number two, but I would say it's my top five. I just haven't figured out. It's probably like four, maybe five, but one of my more favorite films. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I I really like it. I think I had it sitting outside my top five, but not by far. I, I can't remember. Could be up in my top five. It's definitely one of my more favorites. Um, you just have to give it some, you know, a lot of points for great casting, a lot of points for great sequences, refreshing 
um, jokes and things like that. Just, just overall good. Um, I gave it a lot of bonus points. There, there was a couple takeaways I, I took away. I think just for some context and for story, uh, things like that. But those may be answered later. So, I mean, I think the deduction is very minimal. Yeah. Um, I easily give this one. I mean, if, if you've got a score, I an A, <laughs> A minus. You know what I mean? It's it, it's right there. It was really really good. It, I mean, yeah, watch it and see the genius of it, especially how it sits with the rest of the films. Uh, it's just different in its own right but it's still within the disney making universe which is crazy because they didn't get caught up in all the you know normal stunts normal jokes and that's great yeah yeah i agree a minus for me um so up next we have uh, captain america civil war which is, it was billed as Captain America 3, but it's more like Avengers 2 and a half. Because <laughs> everyone's in it. <laughs> yeah. Well, except Thor. Except Thor. And uh, the Hulk. Yeah. They're off on, uh, what's that world called? Uh, Sakar. I, I just call it Planet Hulk. <laughs> yeah, it's basically what it is. So, yeah, uh, who, who do you think Thor would side with between uh, Tony and Steve? I think he would have sided with Steve. Uh, not that they've always seen eye to eye, but I don't see Thor believing that they truly should be held under a leash. Yeah. And I think that um, Banner would have sided with, with um, Iron Man. Not be because he believes Iron Man is right, but because he knows that he needs to be controlled. And if he can't, if he has to be controlled, then I think he has the sense that everyone should. Yeah, yeah, but I think that's a good assessment there. I, but it it was smart leaving him out too, because those two were just right. I mean, the the damage those two could have done. Yeah. Compared to everyone else, I think. You know, in pure raw power, you know, just if you just take away, take away everyone's extra powers and stuff like that, just pure raw strength. Those two are heads and tails beyond anybody else. And uh, I, I fail to see a vision could even stand up to him pound for pound, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I wonder what vision's true potential is. We never really see it because he holds back because he doesn't want to get involved, but he kind of has to. But we don't really see him go full you know full power on these guys so and he doesn't really have a reason to I mean yeah no he just I mean he has his beliefs and stuff but I mean he's not going to kill everyone to, to accomplish that goal yeah yeah so Civil War uh, Civil War has a lot of great things about it and I have a lot of problems with this it's an interesting movie for me I love it and I don't really like it at the same time so we'll get into that. Uh, it should be a good discussion. One of our, hopefully, one of our more longer episodes because we'll be doing a lot of talking about it. But um, <laughs> so, come back for that one. That one will be episode fourteen out of eighteen. So uh, we want to thank you guys for for listening once again to 
The Credulous Nerds, Mark and Justin, and the Marvel Avengers Rewatch series number 13. This is Ant-Man. And we want to invite you to join us on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash randomangst. We also have one for the Credulous Nerds. Uh, either one, join both. Join the conversation on either one. And also check us out on our main page, randomangst.com. And join us on Patreon, patreon.com slash credulousnerds. Uh, you can support us for a dollar a month. You know, we spend a lot of time uh, preparing these podcasts and talking about these things and editing and, you know, doing a lot of work to get these podcasts out. And uh, we would do it for free or we, you know, either way we're going to do it. But, you know, support us. Let us know you appreciate it. And um, it, it'll go back into the podcast. Will you know, help helps us pay for hosting services, helps us pay for equipment and software. There's some editing software I want to get that'll improve the podcast, but it's 200 bucks, you know, so, you know, things like that. It'll just help improve our podcast and be better. So if it's worth your while, if it's worth a dollar a month for you, uh, check us out on patreon.com and you can, you can join for a month. And if you're like, eh, this isn't what I want to do, you can cancel it. No problem. There, you know, there's no commitments. It's just month to month. So let us know. Uh, that you like us and support us on Patreon. If you don't, we still like you and we appreciate our fans and those that listen to our podcasts and join us on in on the conversation too. You can also, you know, send us an email at thecredulousnerds at gmail.com. If you have any questions for us that we can talk about on the show or uh, if you want to participate uh, by letting us know, hey, I want to hear about uh, Star Wars you know I want to hear about Rogue One because in our first episode episode one or maybe it was even episode zero we said we're going to do a Rogue One review show and here it is more than a year later we still haven't done it so you can write <laughs> us an email saying hey you guys said you were going to do Rogue One I want to hear a Rogue One review show so you can you know provide input that way let us know what you want to hear what you want us to talk about and if we if we do a show and you're like those guys are full of crap you know Ant-Man sucks I hate Ant-Man he's the worst superhero ever you know, write us an email or hit us up on our Facebook page and let us know what you think and we'll talk about it on the show you know we're here to have a conversation if you disagree with us it's fine we'll talk about it if you agree with us great we'll talk about it so you know just join in on the conversation we appreciate it we appreciate you guys listening and uh I don't know if you have any last-minute thoughts, Mark. Uh, yeah, no, just uh, just like Justin said, we, we love to discuss anything anything you want to talk about. So, you know, let us know. We'll, we'll talk about it. Uh, one thing that we're going to start get into again is we did the Lord of the Rings, and we're going to continue. Or I guess we did The Hobbit. We're going to continue with Lord of the Rings. We're going to be talking more about the uh, the reports going around that they're going to do the show about uh, the fall of Gondolin. And I just want to let you know that uh, before they announced this, I called that they were going to make a movie about that. And uh, so I'll let you know that if you do disagree with me, you're probably wrong, but we will discuss it. And uh, no, we, we just love talking about this stuff. We, we both really enjoy this. We've probably been 
doing this stuff together now for geez i don't seven or eight years you know we yeah. went to our first uh, comic con together and um been loving it ever since so uh please join us in 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 this because we we enjoy it and like justin said we're gonna do it regardless so you know be part of the show and and make it more enjoyable for everyone yeah so we want to thank you guys again for listening and we'll catch you next time see you guys